The stories we tell matter. The stories that some try to silence matter too, maybe even more. In the first chapter of Exodus, we read, Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. This statement is the framing of the story of the Hebrew people's enslavement in Egypt. Some Hebrew Bible scholars suggest that this passage conveys much more than benign ignorance, that instead of did not know Joseph, we ought to translate this as a new king rose over Egypt to whom Joseph meant nothing, as though Joseph's contributions to Egypt were worthless. But Joseph was a visor. He was second in command to Pharaoh. Joseph used his position of power to ensure that the storehouses were full. Joseph's planning meant that when famine came, there was enough food for the Egyptians and for the refugees who fled to Egypt seeking food and shelter. Among the refugees were many Hebrew people, including Joseph's own brothers. Joseph spoke with the ruling Pharaoh and his brothers and other Hebrew people found a welcome home in Egypt. His brothers were given positions of power within the Egyptian government, and his father was honored by Pharaoh. But then a new king rose over Egypt, to whom Joseph meant nothing. And this king said to his people, Look, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, or they will increase and in the event of war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. This leader, who refused to know Joseph's real place in Egyptian history, used unfounded, irrational fear as a tool to control the story. With fear, he manipulated the Egyptians. There is no hint in the biblical narrative that the Israelites were anything other than good, faithful citizens of the empire. Yet the delusional Pharaoh imagined that the Hebrew people were a threat. He warned the Egyptians that in the event of war, the Israelites might join Egypt's enemies and fight against enemy against Egypt. Again, there's nothing to suggest that this fear is in any way reasonable. But isn't fear like that? Fear so often seeks the feeling of security, not reason or truth. The Pharaoh who tried to erase Joseph is the same Pharaoh who enslaved and abused the Hebrew people, doing everything he could to control their story. Like the Pharaoh of old, legislatures across our country are using a rhetoric of fear to push through bills that seek to control the story of our country. So many of the arguments in support of these bills irrationally center the fears of white people while neglecting the realities of Americans who are not white, intentionally twisting the narrative away from systemic racism and the harm it has done and continues to do, and toward white fragility. Many politicians have openly criticized critical race theory. 
Governor Greg Abbott said it should be abolished. Kimberly Crenshaw, a founding critical race theorist and a law professor at the University of California and Columbia University says, critical race theory is a practice. It's an approach to grappling with the history of white supremacy that rejects the belief that what's in the past is in the past and that the laws and systems that grow from the past are detached from it. In other words, critical race theory acknowledges the systemic racism that's woven into American society. Critical race theory challenges the beliefs that allow systemic racism to continue to flourish. It seems to me that these bills are an effort to control the story. They're trying to keep the truth of the realities of systemic racism and oppression from being considered and certainly from contributing to the body of knowledge about who we've been, who we are, about why things are the way they are, and about how we must change. But we need to hear the story, the whole story, to consider the impacts of genocide on First Nation peoples, the enslavement and abuse of black people, the atrocities faced by Hispanic Latinx communities, and the systems of injustice that have been and continue to be woven into the fabric of our country. Understanding these experiences enables us to realize the impacts of violence, oppression, and disenfranchisement. And knowing our history helps us understand the present and it empowers us to create a more just future. Joseph's legacy could not have been easily forgotten, but the new Pharaoh was able to intentionally deny, ignore, and erase it. Joseph's story challenged prejudices, challenged Egyptian elitism, and Egyptian superiority. And so his story was written out, forgotten. Pharaoh is like the United States Senator who rewrites our history, refusing to know James Baldwin, Katherine Johnson, Mary Daly, or the soldiers of the 369th Infantry Regiment in the U.S. Army during World War II and World War III, or Buffalo soldiers, or Langston Hughes, or Gwendolyn Brooks, or Frederick Douglass. Pharaoh is like the governor who tries to forget the truth that the border is a made-up line, and that made-up line, the border, moved. He's like a teacher who tries to erase a child's name by giving a child a new name because the teacher won't take the time to hear and learn. He's like a professor of theology who suppresses any voice that isn't white and male and relegates theologians like James Cone and Sally McVeigh and Marcella Althaus Reed to contextual theology pushed to the side, as though the writings of old white men with names like Pannenberg, Boltmann, Moltmann, Brueggemann, Kasemann somehow are contextless or universal. The pharaohs of our day seek to control who gets to tell the story and what story is told. When our students are denied the truth of history 
and the current structures of racial oppression, they are done a grave disservice. Voices and experiences of people of color throughout our history must be heard, remembered, shared, learned from. Far from harming our children, which is one of the arguments of those seeking to push through these bills, these stories will empower our children and hopefully each one of us to work for justice. Our children need to know, indeed we all need to know, that our country has made and is still making some huge mistakes. And they need to know that we can change, we can live up to our ideals. Everything is not okay and we're not going to pretend it is. We can teach them and ourselves that oppression, injustice, and systemic racism are unacceptable. Denial is so tempting, especially in the face of what makes us uncomfortable. But denial will not help us become the country we long to be. So instead of denying our hard truths, our painful history, the ongoing oppression, Let's assure the children that they and that we have the capacity to hear the stories, to believe people of color, to remember, and most importantly, we have the capacity to change. Frederick Douglass gave a speech on July 5th in 1852 entitled, What to the Slave is the Fourth of July? In that beautiful, painful, and justice-seeking speech, he says, I say this with a sad sense of the disparity between us, the blessings in which you this day are not, are enjoying, are not enjoyed in common, the rich inheritance of justice, liberty, prosperity, and independence bequeathed by your fathers is shared by you, not by me. The sunlight that brought life and healing to you has brought stripes and death to me. This 4th of July is yours, not mine. You may rejoice. I must mourn. He continues. Fellow citizens, above your national joy, I hear the mournful wail of millions mournful wail of millions, whose chains, heavy and grievous yesterday, are today rendered more intolerable by the jubilee shouts that reach them. I must not forget. I must remember those bleeding children of sorrow this day. To forget them, to pass lightly over their wrongs, and to chain in with the pop chime in with the popular theme would be treasonous, most scandalous, and shocking, and would make me a reproach for God and the world. Remember. Remember, the biblical writers urge us over and over. Remember you were slaves in the land of Egypt. Our Jewish siblings tell the story of the Exodus every year at Passover. Remember, the story must be told, the full story must be given ear and believed. It must be remembered. 
In Exodus, when Moses, once grown, encounters God in the burning bush, God says, The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their suffering. I've come down to deliver them from the Egyptians. I've also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God did not forget the story. Joseph meant something to God. And not just Joseph. All those who are oppressed, abused, all those that leaders have tried to forget, to erase. God hears the cry and observes the misery. God knows the suffering and comes down to deliver those who are oppressed. God comes down in midwives and acts of civil disobedience. God comes down in brave and resourceful mothers and sisters. God comes down in those who will hear, those who will listen, those who will amplify the voices of those who have known injustice and abuse. Many would rather believe a lie, a whitewashed American dream, than to hear the truth. But how do we make the changes we must make if we don't hear the full story, the true story, the hard and devastating story? We cannot let Pharaoh control the story. We must join with God in hearing the cries of the oppressed, hearing the story, and working for change, for justice. Amen.